The Soul of the Violin by Margaret Mantle Merrill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wayne Cook. The Soul of the Violin. Scene. A dingy attic room in a wretched tenement. A bit of candle stuck in an old bottle gives a faint, gloomy light. Uncanny shadows move about the room. A rickety chair, a table, a pile of straw that serves for a bed. The man stands by the table, lifting a violin from its case. He touches it as men touch the things they love best. He holds it against his hunger-wasted face and talks to it as if it lived and understood all he said. It has come at last, old comrade, it has come at last, the time when you and I must say goodbye. God knows I wish I could sell myself instead of you, but I am worthless while you... Do you know my beauty? A Shylock down the street, the man who has all else I own save you, has offered to me five hundred dollars if I will give you to him. Five hundred dollars to a man who has not a coat to his back, a roof to cover him, or a crumb of bread to eat. Why do I hesitate? You are only some bits of wood and a few trumpery strings, not much for a man to starve for. I have only to run down the stairs with you, a few steps more, hand you over the counter, the thing is done, and I have five hundred dollars. I can leave this wretched rat-ridden hole. I can have food to eat such as I have not tasted for a year. I can mingle again with the men I used to know. I can be one of them. Five hundred dollars. Why, that is wealth, wondrous wealth. And all for you, you thing without a stomach. You cannot know hunger, you body without a soul. Stay, am I sure of that? The man passes his fingers over the strings and bends his head to listen. The soft vibrations follow each other like sweet, half-forgotten thoughts. Your E-string is a trifle flat says the man. Well, it doesn't matter. He rises hastily, possessed by a sudden determination, opens the case and is about to thrust the violin inside. When he stops, a faint tremor of sound is still audible. It seems almost like a whisper of pain. The man lifts the violin again in his arms and lays his cheek upon it. What, old comrade? Does it hurt you, too? Oh, I have wronged you. You have a heart. You can feel. I almost believe you can remember. Let me see. How long has it been? Twenty? Thirty? Thirty-five years. Think of that, old comrade. Thirty-five years, the average lifetime of man, we have been together. And I knew you long before that. You were in a funny old shop kept by a man who had owned you longer than I have. He would show you to the people who came and allowed them to read your inscription, Cremona, 
1731. But he would not sell you. It is not probable that he was ever hungry. I loved you then, you inanimate thing of wood. I loved to hold you and to hear you sing. I longed for you as I had never longed for anything else. One day the old man sent for me. Bring me your old violin, he said, and you shall have the kimono. To keep? I exclaimed. Yes, said the old man, to keep, for I am sure you will keep it. I am old. Someone else will soon take possession here, and the kimono might be sold into strange hands. I should not like that. I would rather give it to you. So I took you home with me and sat up half the night drawing the bow softly over your strings. I was the happiest boy in the world, I think. I laid you where, if I waked in the night, I could reach out and touch you. I would not have taken a kingdom in exchange for you then. Ah, but then I was not hungry. What animals we are, after all. The man still held the violin against his cheek, passing his hands gently along the strings, and talking on in a dreamy way, as if he scarcely knew that he spoke at all. Thirty-five years, and we have seen the world together. We have tasted its sweets and its bitterness. Kings and beggars have listened to you, and both have loved you. Do you remember the night in Berlin when we played the dream, and the beautiful woman in the box at the right threw a great red rose? It caught upon one of your strings, caught and hung by a thorn, and when I tried to release it, the blood-red petals fell in a shower at my feet. Then we played the last rose of summer. I am sure you had a heart that night. I could feel it vibrate with the quivering of your strings. There were tears in many eyes when we had finished, and she, I think the music had taken possession of her, for she rose, crying out, No, no, it is not the last. The world is full of roses, see? And she threw a great armful of white and red blossoms. I wonder if she loved me best, or you. It was in the time of roses when she, the rose of all the world, lay dead. You must remember that, old comrade. When it was dark, when all the rest had gone and left her, we went to say goodbye. The world was full of roses then, and I heaped them over her. Then you sang, oh, how you sang. I always, always believed that her soul was borne away on the wings of your song, carrying the perfume of the roses with it. The next time we played, someone threw a rose, and I set my heel upon it. What right had roses to bloom when she was dead? We have done badly since then, you and I. Some way things cease to seem worth striving for, and you have been dearer 
because you were the only one who knew and understood. And yet I said you had no soul. Forgive me, O oh comrade. A man is not to be blamed for what he says when he's hungry. Ah, what a fool I am, wandering away to an old fiddle, when I might be filling my empty stomach. The man sprang up, thrust the violin rudely into its case, closed the lid with a bang, seized it, and stopped, listening. The strings were quivering from its rough handling. He heard a sigh, faint as the farewell breath from the lips of a loved one dying. The man set his feet hard, took another step, stopped again. Then suddenly he clasped the violin in his arms. No, no, I cannot, I cannot, I will not. It may be folly, it is folly, it is madness. No matter, I will not do it. I'm not hungry now. The man opens the case, lifts the violin again, and holds it in his arms as if it were a child. To think that I ever dreamed of selling you my treasure. But a devil prompted me, the demon of hunger. It is gone now. I am quite content, quite satisfied. Come, sing to me, and I shall be altogether happy. The man raises the violin and draws the bow. Ah, that E-string. There. So, that is better. Now we are all right, and we are happy, are we not? Sing to me of the rose and of her. See, she is in the box yonder, all among her blossoms. She is smiling and throwing us handfuls, red and white. We must do our best, our very best, when she listens. The man's eyes kindle and burn, his pale cheeks flush. Starvation and rags are far away and forgotten things. He is again the master of music. The foul attic room has widened and brightened into a great glittering amphitheater wherein thousands sit. Breathless under the spell of that divine melody, the man's soul is breathing itself upon the strings, and how they respond. They shiver with sobs, they vibrate with laughter, they shout in exaltation. Hear, hear, my comrade, cries the man. Bravos, encores. Ah, we have conquered the world tonight. How the lights glitter. This is ecstasy. This is heaven. Wilder and wilder grows the music. Faster and faster flies the bow. Snap! A string breaks. Snap! Another. The weird strains sink into a wailing minor key. The arm that holds the bow grows unsteady. The wild eyes cease their feverish shifting and fasten themselves upon one spot at the right. The tense features relax into a smile. The voice is very low and very tender. One more rose, my beauty, my queen of all the world. The lights are growing dim. My sight is failing. I can see only you, 
only you. Snap. The last string breaks. Scene. The same as at first. The candle, the chair, the table, the straw. Yes, and the man too. But he lies prone upon his face, and under him is a handful of wooden fragments, upon one of which is the inscription, Cremona, 1731. End The Soul of the Violin by Margaret Mantle Merrill